Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you Our main text that we looked at last Sunday is from John chapter 1, verse 14. It says that, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is full of grace and truth. When you meet him, you will have an encounter with one particular thing you can be guaranteed of. That is grace and what? Truth. And verse 15 says, John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred. Is what? Preferred before me, for he was before me. Uh, that would take a long t- time to teach. Amen. And of his fullness, we have all received, and grace upon grace upon grace. Upon grace. Verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but what? Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. So Jesus brought us something specific. It was grace and truth. Amen. So because the Pharisees were so angry with him, The Pharisees were unhappy with him because of his attitude to the law. Because the Pharisees were expecting everybody who is godly to line up with the law, to comply with the law. And they saw that Jesus was not doing that. They began to call him, you know, an evil person, a demonic person. Next Sunday, I'll show you some of the names they called Jesus. And then you compare it to some of the names they are calling we, those who teach the grace of God. You will see that is the same. Hallelujah. So Jesus, in order to correct that wrong impression in the, among the Pharisees, he told the disciples in Matthew 5, 17, he says that, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to what? To fulfill it. Amen. So the question is, did Jesus fulfill the law or not? Because when he said on the cross that it is finished, it stands to reason that his assignment and purpose for which he came to die was fully accomplished. Amen. It means that Jesus has fulfilled the law. So when you receive Christ, when you give your life to Jesus, the law is fulfilled in your life. That is the implication. Amen. Amen. If you give your life to Jesus, the law has been fulfilled in your life. That is the implication. Because the person who you are receiving into your heart, he said, I came to fulfill the law. Amen. Amen. Now, when something is fulfilled, it suggests that that particular thing is no more in force. That particular thing is no more binding on anybody. 
When a promise is fulfilled, that promise cannot make demands anymore. Hallelujah. Yeah, you can't expect somebody to fulfill one promise twice. Now, we saw that the law came to reveal sin. Amen. Galatians 3 told us that the purpose of the law is to do what? To expose our sins. To make us conscious of sin. To make you know that you need help. Hallelujah. So that we can all pursue the Savior. If the law was not there before Jesus came to die, we wouldn't see the need to receive him. His coming would have been useless because Jesus came to save mankind from sin and restore man back to a relationship with God. But if there was no sin, people wouldn't see the need for a savior. So that is why God gave the law to Israel through Moses. Hallelujah. So Jesus came to save us from sin. How? By giving us his grace. Ephesians 2.8 said, can we all read it together? Ready, go. For by grace you have been well, saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves, it is what? The gift of God. Verse 9 says, not of works, lest anyone should boast. By grace you and I have been saved. Amen. Through faith. By grace, we have been saved through faith and that it is not your own works. It is not your own effort that brought salvation to you. It was God's own efforts. It was not your good deeds that brought salvation. It was Christ's good work on the cross that brought you salvation. Hello? It was not your perfection that brought you salvation. It was Jesus' perfect work on the cross that brought you salvation. The Bible said it is the gift of God. Grace is a gift. Hello? You don't work for grace. You receive grace. And you receive it only by what? Talk to me. Faith. He said by grace you have been saved through faith. So if you want to experience the grace, you have to believe in the one who gives the grace. And that person is Jesus. Hallelujah. By grace, we have been saved. And so, when we talk to people about Jesus, and they tell us, oh, I am not a sinner. I go to church. I obey the Ten Commandments. I don't drink. I don't womanize. I don't do this. I don't do that. What do we tell them? We tell them that that is not what can save you. Is that not what we tell them? We tell them that your own good works cannot save you. Hallelujah. Because before you were born, you were already a sinner. That is what we tell the people when we are preaching salvation. Is that not it? Is that not it? Yeah. And that you are already born into sin and that you need to be saved from sin before you can become a child of God. Is that not what we preach? Is that not what we preach? That is the grace of God. That is what brought us salvation. Romans 5, it said, God demonstrated his love towards us. That is the grace of God. Grace is when we were sinners. When we were sinners, Christ 
willingly died for us. Hallelujah. When we were sinners, he willingly did what? He, died. he didn't only just die. Listen, Jesus did not just die. He suffered. It was a death that was to pay a price for sin. So it was not just an ordinary death. He suffered pain to shed his blood for our sins. And that is what the grace of God is about. Amen? Now, when we become born again by receiving this grace through faith, hallelujah. When we become born again by receiving this grace through faith, by receiving Jesus through faith, how many of you know we receive Jesus through faith? How many of you were there when he died? Let me see. How many of you saw Pilate said, send him for crucifixion? How many of you were there? No, we all had it. We all had a simple story in the Bible. We were not there. It happened 2,000 years ago. But when we heard it, the Holy Spirit opened our understanding, touched our hearts, and we believed this story. This same story that other people hear and say, oh, this is just a myth. You hear it. And you believed it. And you never saw him when he was about. You closer and say, Lord Jesus, from today, I give you my life. Come into my heart. Change my life. Make me a new person. From today, I will live the rest of my life for you. And you know what? Immediately at that very moment, a change has taken place in your life spiritually. And the Holy Spirit begins to bear witness. The Bible said that the Spirit bear witness with our spirit that we are now the children of God. Amen. It is purely faith. Hello? It is what? Faith. Everybody say faith. faith. It is faith that made you born again. It is faith in Jesus that made you a child of God. Hello? It has nothing to do with your work or somebody else's work. Only the, that the work that Jesus did made you a child of God, made you a believer in Christ. Hello? It was your faith. But the Bible said that faith granted you access to the grace. That is something I want you to understand. By grace, you are saved through faith. So when you exercise that faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, you receive grace. And it is that grace that makes you who is unqualified to become a child of God. You've just become a child of God. Amen. Amen. The important thing I want to say today is that the grace of God by itself is able to teach us how to live a godly life. The grace of God, it teaches us a better way to overcome sin. Better than what was there before Jesus came. Hello? Yeah, before Jesus came, you overcome sin by obeying the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not... Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, 613. If only you can remember all. Praise God. The law. But when Jesus came, one of the scriptures we read last Sunday is John 13, 34. It says that a new commandment I give to you. Hallelujah. This scripture for me, for me. Hallelujah. A new commandment I give to you. That you are love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. My understanding of this scripture is that there was an old com commandment. Hallelujah. 
which wasn't good enough. So Jesus, when he came with the grace, he said, I'm giving you a new commandment, which suggests to me it's better. God can give you something to replace an old thing, which is worse than the old. Hello? Yeah, that's my argument. Are you following my argument? Yes. My argument this morning is that Jesus brought us grace, and grace gives us a better way to relate with God, to please God, and to overcome sin far better than the Ten Commandments was doing. So if we want to see upright living among Christians, we should be teaching grace, not the Ten Commandments. Hallelujah. But listen, the reason why Jesus said a new commandment is because under the law, under the law, under the Ten Commandments, there was no love. There was no forgiveness. Hello? There was no forgiveness. We'll, we'll look at that. But he said, love one another as what? No, 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 no. He didn't say that. You see, read scripture. When you are studying scripture, read what is there. Don't read what is in your head. That's why we all make mistakes all the time. He said, love one another as what? I have loved you. So if you want to understand how, how grace can make you live uprightly, you should first start by understanding how Christ loved you, not somebody else, you. Because until you have a revelation about how much he loves you, you cannot love people. Amen. That is why most of the love that we see among Christians is all hypocrisy. Is it not? Because until you find out the person who says, I love you with all my heart. In fact, no one percent of his heart is even there. Because until you have a revelation about the love that Jesus has for you, you cannot love people. You cannot even love God. Amen. So the problem is that we tell people to love one another, but we, we don't even know the definition of love. The true definition of love, according to Jesus, is the love he has for us. Amen. When you have a revelation of that, hallelujah, when you have a revelation of that love, it will be easy for you to love people. It will be easy for you to live an upright life. It will be easy for you to live a life that is a higher level of righteousness than what the Ten Commandments demanding. And that is what I want us to look at this morning. Amen. I'm going to give you some illustrations in the scriptures. Hallelujah. Are you with me so far? Are you with me so far? Let's start with Luke 18, from verse 18. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? Already Jesus is suspicious about the guy's reasons for... Listen, one thing I realized about Jesus is that any time the Pharisees come to him, his attitude changes. Any time he meets sinners, he's so loving, he's so caring. Hallelujah. One day, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, couldn't come to him daytime. You know why he couldn't come? Because his, his other colleagues, Pharisees, would be angry with him. So I want you to know that the Pharisees, they were people that were not happy with Christ. The Christ that you say is your savior today. There were people who practiced the law, who never liked him. That's what I'm going to show you. Amen. Yeah, they never liked him. So Nicodemus came by night. And what did Jesus tell him? You must be born again. Just direct. And listen, he was the only one Jesus told that you should be born again. Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good. You see that Jesus is already trying to drop some hints because Jesus already knew why the guy was coming. The guy came thinking that he was a good guy. No one is good but one that is God. 
You know the commandments. This is Jesus, who? Are you following? The person came to Jesus. What was the question? Verse 18. What was the question? He said, what shall I do to inherit what? Eternal life. Verse 20. Jesus said what? You know the commandments. Do not commit adult. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Jesus got tired of the rest, so he just gave him few. And the man said what? All these things have I kept from my you. Like, I guess he said it the way I've done my shoulders. So the guy came to gain what? Recommendation from Jesus. Came to the wrong guy. Because Jesus will never recommend your righteousness by the law. Never. So this guy said, look, it's not now that I started this thing. I've been doing it since school days. Uprightness. Never drank. Never chased women. Never did this. Never did that. Never did that. Jesus said to him, you still lack one thing. You still lack one thing. What do you think it is? The grace. Jesus said, you still lack one thing. I'll show you that it's a grace. And it's sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. What do you think was the test here? There were two things here. The first test is the test of love. How much does this guy love God? Because it's not enough to say, I keep all the laws. Do you really love God? Because if you love God, selling what you have to give to the poor will be easy for you. Number two was the test of faith. If this guy really believes Jesus, he will do anything Jesus says. Hello? So Jesus said, let's see how you handle this test. Verse 23. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful. Suddenly the shoulders that was up, it dropped. Hallelujah. Because he was very rich. But when Jesus saw that he became sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Amen. Immediately after this chapter, we go to chapter 19. Chapter 19. And when Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was also what? Oh, come on, look at it. He was also what? So we are looking at two rich guys. One is righteous by the law. The other guy is a crook and a sinner. And he sought to see Jesus, but he could not of the crowd, for he was short. Amen. There is hope for the short. Amen. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree. That's intelligence. When you are short, you have to be intelligent. You don't have to sit down and keep complaining about your, your height. You have to be, you have to be intelligent. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. What if Zacchaeus was not up? Amen. That's what I'm saying. Intelligence is important. He looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay in your house. What? So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Hello? Look at verse 7. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is what? A sinner. So when they saw it, who who are they referring to that day? Of course, of course, of course. Zacchaeus did not want Jesus in his house because he knew himself. He knew he was a sinner. All he wanted to do was see Jesus. Why did he want to see Jesus? Why do you think Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus? Because I believe he didn't like his, his life. He wanted a change, but there was a group of religious guys who wouldn't want to even stand and talk with you because they are too holy and you are too sinful. So the Pharisees don't shake hands with sinners. No, it will, they will be contaminated. Are you understanding? So, so it was like Zacchaeus didn't like the way he was living his life. 
but I didn't know how to stop. And how many of you know that drunkards don't like drinking? They don't like alcohol. Have you met any alcoholic who is crying? I want to stop. So when you meet an alcoholic, what do you think is the best thing to do? Is it to tell him, stop drinking? If you keep drinking, God will not be happy with you. You will go to hell. The guy wants to stop drinking, brother. The fornicator wants to stop fornicating. Amen. Yeah, but they don't know how. The sinner. So listen, holiness preaching tells you to avoid sin, which you already want to. Hello? Holiness preaching. What's up? Holiness preaching tells you stop drinking, stop sinning, stop fornicating, stop stealing, stop this, stop this. And look, the, why did the people come to your church by the, in the first place? They came because they want to continue sinning. No, the fact that somebody walked his way from house to church means that I am on the treetop. I don't like the way my life is. Because the guy was a rich guy. Why did he climb the tree all the way to the top? Rich man. He didn't have to see, it's just just to see Jesus for the sake of it. There was a yearning in his heart for change. That is what Jesus saw and said, I'm coming to your house. Amen. Amen. But I can tell you what, compared to what the rich Pharisee did. He came boldly. Maybe he was even walking and he gave Jesus a high five. Charlie, how? Are you getting the picture? They complained that Jesus had what? Come to stay with a sinner. Verse 8. I want everybody to look at verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, all the crook for one night I did, I want to restore it, and I'll pay interest on top. Now, did Jesus tell him, you are a crook, stop stealing, stop stealing. Did Jesus say that? Did Jesus tell him to give half of his wealth to the poor? The man Jesus said, sell your belongings and give to the poor. He didn't do it. Hello? The man who was the righteous, self-righteous man, couldn't sell his goods to give to the poor. Now, here's another rich man. Jesus did not ask him for anything. All Jesus did was show him love. I want to say that when you experience the true love of Christ, you cannot ever continue to sin. Amen. The next verse says something very important. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Hallelujah. Salvation has come to your house. The change of your heart. Jesus was addressing Zacchaeus. The change of his heart. The guy had changed his heart. This is something he's been yearning to do long time. But the Pharisees were teaching him the wrong way. Amen? He experienced love. And what did he do? He said, I'll change. Last Sunday we talked about the woman who was caught in adultery. John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Now look at this. The scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Who brought the people? The Pharisees and the scribes. They brought a woman to the temple with stones in their hands whilst they brought a woman. And I can tell you, people still bring stones to church. Hallelujah. Some churches, they take stones. Because by the time you leave, you feel so destroyed, damaged. By the verbal abuse, no element of the love of Christ has come to you. Hallelujah. And the very reason why the person is coming to church to change, he sees no change. Amen. Amen. And when they sat her in the middle, 
verse 4. They said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Wow. Very act. That means they had time to spy. How could they have caught a woman in adultery in the very act if you were not spying? Hallelujah. Sometimes people devote themselves in church to be the policeman in the church. I'm going to catch that brother. That brother is too evil. I'm going to catch him. They follow you everywhere you go. Hallelujah. They caught him very in the act. He said, now, Moses in the law, hello, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. Hello? So the Pharisees were looking for opportunity to do what? Accuse Jesus. So they said, our law says such people should be stoned, not changed, not transformed. The law condemns people. The law does not change people. The law does not transform people. The Ten Commandments cannot transform your life. Are you here? Holiness preaching tells you to avoid sin. Grace preaching tells you how you can avoid sin. Which one is better? I am teaching you how you can avoid sin. By the time I'm through, sin will not be a struggle in your life again. Holiness preaching tells you to stop a sin you already know is wrong. You preach it hard. Fantastic. But the guys already know it's wrong. How can I stop this? That's what you should be teaching. And the only teaching that can tell a sinner how to stop sinning, the only teaching that can help a fornicator to stop fornicating is the teaching of grace. All right, verse 7. So when they continue asking him, he raised himself up and said, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone. At that means even the Pharisees were not as innocent as they portrayed. Is that not so? He who is without sin, with their white cassock, white turban, all the, you know, ammunitions of righteousness. Jesus said, anyone here who is without sin should throw the first stone. Just one person among the crowd of Pharisees that came. There was no one person who could be sincere enough to say, me, I, I. So why were such people teaching that, the law? Why couldn't such people say that, you know what? Even me, even me, with all my efforts, I still don't think I am righteous up to God's standard. Why didn't they tell the adulterer woman that they caught? That you know what? You are an adulterer. I'm not an adulterer. But even me, I also have a problem. They caught her as if they are holy and he is a sinner. And they brought her to Jesus with stones in their hands. Verse 8. And again he, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted of their conscience, went out one by one. Now everybody began to find his way. They came as a crowd, but they started going one by one. Praise the Lord. One by one. Amen. <laughs> Beginning with the oldest to the last. Because if the big boss put his stone down and he's going, you the small guy, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> if the choir leader put his stone down, then the drama must follow suit. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Okay, verse 10. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. This woman caught in adultery in the very act called Jesus, Lord. And Jesus said to her, What? What did Jesus say? Read it yourself. Neither do I condemn you. Do you think this woman can commit adultery again? Are you sure? 
Why? Because grace spared her life. Grace spared her life. Do you think this woman, when she catch an adulterer one day, he will stone her? What would this woman do to that, that adulterer? He would teach her about Jesus. So, listen. The grace, the teaching of grace does not condone sin. Are you listening to me? Everybody listen. This is the most important part of my message. When we talk about the grace of God, we are not encouraging sin. We are saying there is a better way to overcome sin than the law. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, go. I don't condemn you. Grace does not condemn people. The law condemns people. Grace liberates people. Grace liberates people. Amen. Amen. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. This is the main text of my message today. It says what? For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. What does grace do? It teaches people that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Amen. The grace, it teaches you a better way. The grace of God has appeared to all men. Teaching. That is why Jesus, he taught the disciples so much. Because grace teaches, it doesn't condemn. Grace informs people. It informs your mind. Amen. It makes you intelligent. It makes you knowledgeable. It makes you decide not to do wrong because of threats. Hallelujah. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.